Hi, and welcome to the August Forum. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'll be sharing the stories of fashion industry professionals, creatives, and entrepreneurs about their journeys and experiences as they advance within this ever-growing industry. The August Forum, as an extension of the shop itself, allows you to have the ability to listen to those in this space. So whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, trying to break into the fashion industry, or just curious about the ins and outs, we hope these stories will help you to achieve your goals. In today's episode, we feature Kyle Martin, an entrepreneur and current owner of the Madison Stapleover Restaurant and the Weary Traveler. Originally from Watertown, Wisconsin, Kyle's journey took him to New York, in which he earned the opportunities to work as a co-creative director of Sweet Chick and co-owner of Ludlow Coffee Supply. Today, we'll discuss Kyle's goals with the Weary Traveler, his time at Sweet Chick, and his ability of creating a welcoming atmosphere, which invited hip-hop legend Nas to become a brand partner, and his love for music, and the importance of having music be an aspect of his life. This is the August Forum. So today I have in the studio, Kyle. Kyle, what's up, bro? How you doing? What's going on, man? Happy to be here. Yeah, definitely our first time doing this. No, no hitches been ever made. Yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> this is how we do it. Yeah, you know? no hitches ever. Hundred <laughs> percent. You want to introduce who you are, what you do, and then the more important question I have for you: the music you've been listening to recently. That's going to be the big thing here. I'm Kyle Martin, originally from Watertown, Wisconsin. Went to UW-Madison, graduated in 04. As soon as I graduated, moved out to New York City. Had a lot of adventures out there that I'm sure we'll get into oh, yeah, throughout the podcast. We'll <laughs> but recently moved back after 18 years in New York, back to Madison, which I've always sort of considered home. Mm-hmm. And recently bought The Weary Traveler, which is a sort of legendary restaurant that's been around for like 20 years on Willie Street. And yeah, I'm back and excited to kind of be a part of this Madison renaissance that I sort of feel if it's just starting to happen right now, I think it's about to really take off and I'm excited to hopefully be a big part of that. Yeah. I mean, we're going to get into a lot about the Weary Traveler. I mean, I went to visit you like last week and everything. And it's a fucking amazing place. But you kind of mentioned right now that renaissance of Madison. Do you really think that there is some sort of cultural shift that's going on? I do. I think, well, just in general, the country, right? Mm. People from New York, LA, the coast in general seem to be relocating a lot. Obviously, COVID had a lot to do with that. So you hear the, you know, these cities like Austin, obviously, seems to be mm-hmm. the big one where it's, it feels like it's a full LA takeover. Oh, for sure. Creatives and comedians and music people sort of moving to Austin. And I honestly think, you know, Madison has always been primed for that sort of cultural change as progressive as Madison is and we love it for it i think there is a lot of room for actual progress and bringing in like you said sort of i think we'll probably use the word culture a lot throughout this podcast mm-hmm. oh but absolutely I, but i you know i do think there is there is this unique opportunity for Madison to sort of become one of those new cities that has the infrastructure there, has an amazing history that can look back 10 years from now. And I think people like us Mm -hmm. can really look back and say, we helped kind of mold this into a new 
place in terms of inclusivity and different races feeling comfortable living here and just all those things that people like to talk about but actually don't do you know what i mean Mm, mm, so that's what i mean with the renaissance and you know i don't don't think this podcast is really about that maybe this (laughs) this maybe this conversation isn't about that but stuff like that's very important to me and i want to be sort of at the forefront and help any way i can large or small whatever i can be a part of to sort of help again take what i believe and I've always considered my home and make it as dope as possible. I want to be a part of that. Yeah. I mean, we're again, you said it clearly, we're going to be part of this culture shift and the word culture is going to be really reminiscent throughout this podcast episode. I can feel it right now, honestly. Right. A lot Speaking of Speaking of culture before we start, I got to get my music out. I was going to say, bro, I was I literally about to ask you, come on now. Come on. What have you been listening <laughs> to? <laughs> I mean, if you know me, hip hop is sort of the main stay since I've been yeah. a little kid. So I've been what's real... what's that like to like be from like Watertown, Wisconsin, and then learning to love hip hop, but then I mean getting to know you, you love more than just hip hop. You know, people might know right. you as that, but you know way more about music than that. You wanna give that a little kind of a conversation of how that came yeah. to be? Yeah, hip hop in Watertown growing up, you know, I was born in nineteen eighty, so Watertown, if you're not familiar, is a small town. It's an amazing town. I have amazing friends and my family still live there, but definitely not as forward thinking on a lot of things. <laughs> so as a young kid in the 90s listening to hip hop, it was sort of I was sort of unique or a black sheep, if you will. But it's just something that gripped me from the beginning, man. I vividly remember the first time I heard Tribe Called Quest thinking based off of that music and that sound yeah. and the things they were talking about, I really truly was like, I have to go to New York City mm-hmm. and experience this for myself. So it was fun. It was a time where now you can turn on Spotify and literally listen to anything you want, which is amazing. Back in the day, it was hard to find hip hop. And it oh, was, absolutely. Yeah. It was, you know, I'd have to literally listen to albums by like Tribe Called Quest, for example, and listen to the artists that they would talk about and mm-hmm. then go to the record store buy and that record and buy that see, record see who they mentioned totally. and you go totally. through all that so it's like that in itself built this almost in a way a culture in itself where you basically have to go out and find these artists because you want to not because it's exactly like almost on, exactly and it was yeah and it was like a fun thing mm-hmm. you know i've sort of always prided myself on being unique and being a leader yeah. And sort of going at the beat of my own drum. So back then, that really was a thing. I know it's mm-hmm. weird to think of that now because, like I Yo, said, pop yeah. is the biggest genre in the world and everyone mm-hmm. listens to it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, growing up, driving my mom's little car and, and bumping <laughs> Illmatic and bumping Doggy Style yeah, and Chronic. Sure. It was different. You know what it I'm was, saying? Yeah, yeah. It's a it whole different. different, it's a different vibe there. So music's been a huge part. You play music a lot at the Weary Traveler. Recently, we had Sam Walner play DJ set there, but then also yeah. you were basically on Onx every day at Sweet Chick, which we'll get into. When, when did you realize that's some shit I want to incorporate wherever I go? Yeah, I mean, I'm the type of person that I think a lot of people listen to music mm-hmm. as yeah. maybe in their car, or they're working out. I'm the type of person that I need to I listen to music sort of 24-7. Yeah. And it's going to reflect my day. It's going to reflect my mood. Mm-hmm. And I sort of learned early in the hospitality that you can really shift a restaurant and you can really shift the attitude of the guests that are coming on mm-hmm. based off the music you're playing. So again, it's not, I'm not just playing hip hop, you know, I'm, I'm big into sort of all genres of music, mm-hmm. hip hop, especially sort of led me down a pretty deep rabbit hole in terms of jazz, 
and the samples that they use and searching yeah. for samples. So even Sweet Chick, which is sort of considered to the outside world, maybe quote unquote a hip hop restaurant. Yeah. We never looked at ourselves that way. Yeah. We always looked at ourselves as a restaurant that wanted to play good music, mm. sort of based on what's going on outside and what mm. the what the feeling in the restaurant is. There's times in the weary where I, I walk in feeling a certain way, but I can instantly tell that the people that are dining with us or at mm-hmm. the bar are maybe in a different headspace. <laughs> and that's and, that, and that's okay. It's my job to it's you know, learning to pivot. A, yeah, as exactly. <laughs> exactly. And my job as a curator is to adapt and to pivot. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I want to take people sort of on a journey and get them to where I want to go for the yeah. evening. Mm-hmm. But it's all, yeah, pivoting is is a really big thing, especially in the uh, hospitality industry. Do you ever feel like you're almost creating a movie in the way where you're kind of adapting to different scenes and you're kind of motioning throughout the night? And 100%, like that? man. Almost like 100%. you're like your own director going through. Yeah, you know, yeah. exactly. You're creating crescendos, right? You're not, yeah. you're not coming in at six o'clock when there might be some older people in the stands yeah. that are mm-hmm. that are enjoying a, a quiet dinner you know you want to for those nights you sort of open with some jazz and then lead into some soul and then i always have a joke with the staff where it's sort of we're peak at 10 30 11 we're really jumping i always <laughs> have a joke with like how do we get here how do we get to this you know and that's sort of i don't know if it's a talent but i think i'm pretty good at sort of uh, it, taking it's a, that it's a skill it's a skill taking, that you taking learn. that wave taking that wave and then bring yeah. it back down as maybe the night is slowing down so to me it's fun man and again it's selfishly more about i need to get myself going and i need mm-hmm. to to feel the energy and the vibes and it just happens that I think I'm pretty good at people seem to like what I what I usually play. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of people view you as someone part of the food industry with Sweet Chick, Ludlow, and then now Weary. But I kind of view it as almost the hospitality space. What right. made you go into that? And what made you keep going even up until now? Yeah. I mean, to sort of play off the music motif, I'm not a chef. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I know how to treat people. I know how to make people feel good when they're mm-hmm. in a space from the staff to the guests that come in. Mm-hmm. I sort of always looked at myself as more, again, to continue the the music analogy, I look at myself more as an executive producer. Yeah. Where I'm not the one making the beats. I'm not the mm-hmm. one rapping, but I'm the one that sort of puts all those things together and puts mm-hmm. it in the same room and packages it. It's almost like and a puzzle, like you're piecing the puzzles together exactly. with all the little exactly. things that you have. Okay, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, when I moved to New York in 2004, I graduated in the spring of 04. I had one of my best friends who was my roommate the first two years. He had moved to New York to pursue whatever, acting, modeling, that kind of, you know, the story Mm. everyone does. And he started working (laughs) at a bar called Mad River. Mm. And at the time, it was just, you know, Upper East Side Bar that was known for a good time, strong drinks kind of place, everyone cut cut loose kind of vibe. And he essentially called me on graduation day and said, you know, if you can get to New York in two weeks, I got a place for you to live and a bar for you to manage. And nice, I literally... Packed up my bags and in two yeah. weeks I was I was on my way and from there just that's sort of where the hospitality bug got me. I turned Mad River into the official Wisconsin alumni bar, yeah, which at the time was a pretty big deal and kind of a new created kind of a new genre of what post college alumni mm-hmm. bars could be. Where I was doing everything from 
We were serving pitchers of beer out of the union pitchers. We were doing cheese curds and brats <laughs> in New York, which was sort of unheard of at the time. You guys was, got in trouble uh, for that, though, didn't you? Especially with the spotted well, for cow. This, for, with the spotted cow, <laughs> yeah. So we, we brought in some beer, got our Al Capone on a little bit. But it was awesome. And it was, again, it was learning. And then I would also DJ those parties. So I was literally playing the same music they would be playing in Camp Randall mm. during commercial breaks. And I just turned it into a party and sort of realized, again, early that I can curate sort of what I would consider the best atmosphere yeah. and the yeah. and the best time. Mm-hmm. And I learned pretty early that what I like and what I think is fun and what I think is cool, a lot of other people can get mm-hmm. behind that. So that was sort of that first time, especially in the hospitality industry, where I learned, oh, shit, man, if I can get my brain out into the real world and create <laughs> these things, people will fuck with people, it. People yeah, people will people fucking will follow. love it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that was a fun experience. And again, just sort of being in New York and getting the recognition. And we got a lot of pub because of that. And then pretty much every school in New York copied the thing I did, Mm -hmm. which I always took as just such a great compliment and something. I've walked past a bar and it's a Penn State bar and I see what they're doing. And I'm I'm like, like, hell hell yeah, I did that. I did that that shit. (laughs) Do you ever ever wish you almost got like a trademark on that, bro? 100%. You'd be be so good. If I could get like a percentage from each college, I wouldn't be talking to you. I'd be sitting on the beach. <laughs> we wouldn't be doing this right now, bro. Exactly. You'd exactly. be you'd be you'd be all you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be able to find me. You yeah, no one would be able to reach you. So one of the first endeavors you kind of pursued was Ludlow Coffee Supply. And when I was doing research on you, what I found out and what many people can find out is not only was it a coffee shop, but also a fucking barber shop, bro. Yeah. Can you totally. talk about how the conception of the shop became and what the fuck why a barber shop? Right. I mean, it was, this is, it's really, so we, John Seymour and myself, John's the CEO and founder of Sweet Chick. At the time, yeah, opening Ludlow was the first time where I was like, okay, I'm a 50-50 owner from the beginning. Mm -hmm. I'm putting my own bread up Mm -hmm. and sort of creating something from the ground up. Whereas Sweet Chick was, I was, you know, the original GM and Mm -hmm. we can get in all that stuff later. But yeah, it was literally, we would have our meetings, John and I would have meetings about Sweet Chick either at a coffee shop (laughs) or (laughs) on the stoops in Brooklyn. And it just sort of got to the point as Sweet Chick continued to grow where him and I were like, man, we need an office or something. And as opposed to just getting a stale office, we're like, well, we always meet in this coffee shop. We might as well open a coffee shop. You know what I mean? And then we had some friends that were barbers as well and just sort of, oh, it'd be super dope. You know, we're not the first people to do a coffee shop and a barber shop in the same place. But yeah, we were just like, we get haircuts every week. We might as well open a (laughs) barbershop too. And essentially just... How often did you get your haircut there? Once a week. Once a week? Every week? Once a week. Hell yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah. What'd you drink for Which was great. What was your, what was your uh, coffee order there? I was at, at that time, I was a latte kind of guy. Skim yeah. latte. Skim Ooh. latte. No yeah. oat latte? Are you not like an oat milk? Nah, I don't, I, don't really, I don't really get down those. I'm not mad I, at it because we could chalk. How about now? Are you still on the latte? Feel? Right now, I'm just a, I'm a black coffee kind of guy. Black coffee? Ice, yeah. or just, ice or just hot? 
hot black coffee in the morning, a lot of it in the morning, but then that's kind of it. I don't like to, I used Mm. to sort of drink it throughout the day and realize it was not great for my brain. Mm. So now I'm just to wake up immediately, get it popping with the coffee and then sort of just like chill the rest of the day. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. exactly. When looking up Ludlow and figuring out what it was and everything like that, someone and we talk we're going to talk hella about music but someone who mentioned Ludlow I think it was her 73 questions with Vogue was fucking Dua Lipa did you yeah insane yeah Insane. Insane. I didn't even know she was going there, to be honest. Yeah, I was like, no one. When you but Ludlow, Ludlow Coffee Supply was one of those places. It was on Ludlow Street, obviously, in New York, in the Lower East Side, and it's one of those streets that sort of became a lot to do with us and Sweet Mm. Chick being right next door, but also. Two hotels opened up right across the street. There's one mm-hmm. literally across the street and yeah. then one next door. And the one across the street, anytime there's someone playing at Jimmy Fallon or any yeah. of these late night shows, they mm-hmm. always stay there. Oh, so it's really? just kind of one of those places that it's just it's just so celebrities and the, musicians yeah. are just in and out all the time. And yeah, it's a coffee place. So Dua Lipa, for example, could have been there a hundred times and came in and out and we didn't even realize no one no one could have yeah you know because it's not like she's sitting there and having like at sweet chick if people sit down they're there for an hour at least yeah yeah yeah. hold up is that is that that frank ocean Ocean over there (laughs) oh shit (laughs) oh shit hey it's joey badass over there (laughs) right (laughs) right so yeah Uh, it's just and it's new york man it's one of those things i always thought it was cool yeah in the sense of especially musicians because i do think it's i'm such a fan of music and the talent mm-hmm. i'm not gonna front and be like oh whatever it wasn't that big of a deal it was very cool oh yeah but dope. it honestly got to the point where it was just whatever. every day every someone day. was in there yeah and again amazing for sure so when she said that it was pretty cool for sure i'm not gonna yeah. lie that's a good shout out there In my conversation with Kyle, I learned a lot about not only his experiences and journey, but the way he operates in the hospitality space. Originally from Watertown, Kyle took the experiences of loving music, indulging in people and who they are, to even the Wisconsin Badgers themselves, and brought that with him to New York. His knack of wanting to innovate and create a shift allowed him to thrive in New York. Our first topic of conversation was his time with Ludlow Coffee Supply, known for its ambiance, barbershop, and good coffee. It was the brainchild of Kyle and John that sparked this idea while indulging in their work with Sweet Chick. Knowing they utilized coffee shops in the past for their meanings, allowing themselves to open up an avenue of giving people the same resource that they had desired is what allowed them to succeed. Kyle is someone who puts an energy into project he has a true passion for and knows speaks to his values and virtues. This is echoed in his work with Sweet Chick and the Weary Traveler and his emphasis of adding his love of music and conversation within these places. That speaks to his character and his nature of staying true to himself and his beliefs. So we've mentioned Sweet Chick a bunch of times. Yeah. It's now time. Let's start talking about Sweet Chick. Do you want Hell to yeah. kind of talk about what Sweet Chick is and how it originated and how you and John's relationship came about too? Yeah, absolutely. have this here. Yeah. So John and I, again, back to the coffee shop sort of origins, we would always kind of see each other at the coffee shop. We lived we were essentially neighbors in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. So we'd see each other on the block all the time. Didn't really know each other, but just see each other and kind of give the respect head nod kind yeah. of vibe. And then I knew he had a little burger place in Williamsburg mm-hmm. called Pops. Mm-hmm. 
that we had spoken about me sort of coming on and managing, but it just wasn't right. The paper wasn't right. And just sort of, it wasn't what I was looking for at the time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, fast forward a couple of months, I saw him again. He said, Hey, I got this new project I'm working on. I think you'd be perfect for long story short. We eventually connected mm-hmm. and the interview was pretty simple, man. It was an interview to be GM. The interview was pretty simple. It just, he's like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to turn this into what would be my favorite restaurant. Mm. Which so you, again, took, like, you took how you basically made the Wisconsin Alumni Bar, basically seeing, oh, this is what I would love to see from it. So exactly. then you took that forward being like, I want this to be what I would consider my favorite restaurant. Exactly. And, so, all right, yeah. And then to John's credit and just sort of how it all worked out, he gave me free reign. You yeah. know what I mean? Obviously, I had to show and prove from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But throughout the years, at this point, I'd been managing restaurants for 10 years in New York. So I was ready to take on a role of a GM. And my, my big thing early on, which I think was, which I look for in anyone I hire moving forward is I don't want to bother John and Samir, mm-hmm. the two owners at the time. Mm-hmm. I do not want to bother them with anything. Yeah. I don't want to tell them about any problems. All I want to tell them is about solutions mm. and how I'm going to make sure the problem never happens again. So I really took on from the beginning an ownership mentality. Yeah. And I just had pride in myself too, where I'm like, I don't need people around me telling me what to do. I got mm-hmm. this. And I think John really sort of respected that from the beginning. So throughout the, yeah, it went well and then got offered equity pretty early on. And then sort of throughout the years was able to invest a little bit of my own money into it. And yeah, we grew it into from one little corner restaurant that had about 47 seats. We grew it into what is now considered a pretty major brand in a it's restaurant. A, it's that's a pretty a, big rep brand at this yeah, point, you know, now in like LA too. It's yeah, we have coast uh, coast. there's four sweet chicks in New York. There's one in Los Angeles. We're in Dodger Stadium. We're in City Field where the Mets play. We did open in London. Unfortunately, that was the only one that due to COVID, it being the newest one and yeah. us not being over there, that one didn't survive. But I still had the experience of going to London and opening a restaurant. So was that was, how, uh, how was that? What did you think of the British people over there? Do you think the accent bro, was, <laughs> it, was, it was? It was she was iconic, bro. <laughs> it was what are we doing? What are we doing? Opening a chicken and waffle restaurant in London? You know I mean, what I mean? It yeah, was like I've, sort of was, that vibe is and that's what Sweet Chick always was, man. It was all a dream attitude, and I can't believe this is all happening. But just a bunch of people that really believed in something mm-hmm. coming together and just going for it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And really one thing with John that was always amazing. He just was like, fuck it <laughs> on everything. <laughs> and I kind of was always, my attitude was always what could go wrong. Yeah. Who cares? Let's Who cares? try it. Let's just you go for I mean? it and see what you're just like basically throwing a dart at the board, hoping it totally. sticks. If it sticks, it sticks. Yeah. So, and it's, obviously you're putting your money into it. So there's risk of that, but I'd rather bet on myself a hundred times out of a hundred times and to work for somebody else and just have to go through life that way. I'm going to bet on myself and that I'm going to figure it out. And then again, surround yourself with an amazing squad, which we, we have and had the most amazing squad, which I was super proud of sort of building that and letting people shine and the whole thing. Yeah. And I mean, we're going to touch on with the weird traveler and like your future plans with that. You want to be able to let people shine in a way. Yes. But going back and coming back to Sweet Chick, you were the GM and co-creative director at Sweet Chick. 
So what was that like to bring in that welcoming environment with not only the 90s hip hop, but also like the sample jazz? And how important was that aspect of dining for you and the consumers? Oh, it was everything, man. I mean, we would do... I learned real quickly, especially in New York, it is a different breed in terms of music and energy and vibes because Mm -hmm. there are literally a hundred restaurants in a couple block radius. Yeah. You have to do something to... To like stand out. Exactly. You have to do something to stand up. So our plan was we're going to turn the music up. Yeah. We're going to be loud. Mm-hmm. We're going to be fun. We are going to be bouncing around. Our servers are going to be dancing and they're going to be grooving. And then that's going to hopefully lead to the guests having the experience. Mm-hmm. And honestly, man, they picked up on it really quickly. They understood exactly what we were going for. And I always talk about when we started doing Sunday brunches, that was the only time in all the Sweet Chicks that I had a curated playlist where it had to be 90s, R&B, soul. And we learned quickly, whether it was in LA or London even, to any of the spots in New York, those Sunday brunches were the place to be. Mm-hmm. And people were in the, the seats dancing and singing and making friends with the tables next to them. Yeah, yeah. And John and I would always say we knew we had something and we were going in the right direction because early on when we would stand at the door and say peace to guests as they were leaving, uh-huh. that so many guests would say, I just want to be best friends with your staff. Mm. And I was like, I've mm-hmm. never worked in a spot where people are literally, yo, do you guys want to hang out after your shift? Yeah. And that was just the environment we created and people wanting to be there and wanting to work and wanting to have fun, man. It's a crazy concept to come to work and have fun <laughs> and then make a whole bunch of money. And you know what I mean? Like, and have a, a good vibe. Yeah. yeah. What a what a concept. To me, it's pretty <laughs> elementary, but... To yeah, others, it could be a little look, difficult. Yeah, you look around, man, and it, it might be a little, it might be a little different. So yeah, yeah, I it's mean, just really again, it's that hospitality idea and just you know positive mental attitude, PMA, which is a very prominent role in my life. And like I say, I say PMA because it's easy to understand, but it's anything. It's negatives to positives. Yeah, all the quotes that we use it, all the different sweet chicks that are from hip hop songs. Those are things that I live by, man. And I'm trying to stay positive every day. Yeah, every absolutely. Day. It's, you I know, mean, it's, talking to you, having the chance to talk to you a couple of times now, bro. You're like a big ball of energy, honestly. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> as, as, as Kanye West once said, life is dope and I do dope shit. <laughs> dope shit. We, uh, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's literally all I'm trying to do. And I'm trying to surround myself mm-hmm. and attract people that feel the same way. Yeah, I, I don't want to be around negative people. Because we all got problems. I get, you know, oh, we absolutely. Got, yeah, I, I all mean, of us we, got problems. We bro. all got problems. <laughs> we can talk about that, but Why every talk single, about that, you know, right, when every we can single positive. Exactly. Every single day, I want to be positive and I want to affect people in a positive light, man. And I realized my whole family, mom, dad, aunts, uncles, brothers are teachers. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And public school teachers, and they affect people in positive ways every single day. I sort of knew early on that route maybe wasn't for me, but I do feel I'm sort of doing the same Mm -hmm. thing, whether it's the customers and guests who come in every day or the staff and providing a good place to live and a good work-life balance. I want to be that 
positive role model for people to yeah. to say, yeah, life is dope. <laughs> life is dope, <laughs> and I do dope shit, <laughs> and I do dope shit. I don't do you, get why do you, it's it's too easy, yo. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people perceive the Midwest, especially Wisconsin, being this like huge family driven towns and culture and stuff like that. Do you think you kind of brought that when you went to New York and giving that more? Absolutely. Work? You think that was a big Absolutely. thing that you brought? Yeah. In? You ask any of my friends in New York, I repped Wisconsin hard. Oh yeah. You, you know, know what I'm saying? Wisconsin, like, yeah, that Wisconsin mug in that article yeah, too, bro. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I repped it hard, man, because it's weird. A lot of people don't know where Wisconsin is, and I blame the public education system for that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's another subject. But you know, they don't understand how dope of a place it is. So I was repping it hard, man. Whether it was obviously through the badges with football and basketball and watching the games and running in, outside in Brooklyn and being happy and knowing. No, no one, one cares. Knew, no one, knew <laughs> no one even knew. No one even knew there was the Rose Bowl player. You know? <laughs> but yeah, I repped it hard, and I always had this sort of joke where my friends would say, "Oh, I met someone from Wisconsin today." And every time I would go, "I bet they were the nicest, coolest person you've met in a long time." And they yeah. were like, "You know what? Actually, they were they were super <laughs> cool." <laughs> so I, I think, did. yeah, I think we go out to the coast, and we go out into Chicago, and I think we got to rep, man. We got to yeah. rep who we are, and sort of those Midwestern values of, yeah, being nice to everyone and being cool to everyone. But at the same time, we're coming to get it too. We got high expectations and we got big goals. And mm -hmm. we came here, even though we might be considered quote unquote outsiders, we came to the city to put our stamp on it and to mm -hmm. put our fingerprint on it. So for me to be able to do what I did and I feel real good about it, man, but also knew it was time to come home yeah, and do it again. You know what I'm saying? And do mm -hmm. it again. I mean, in terms of someone that you kind of brought those aspects of a very welcoming environment, you and Joey Badass's relationship. Right. I mean, I first saw that he knew what Sweet Chick was, was on that first Sweet Feast episode with John himself. But curry you, chicken. Yeah, the curry chicken episode. <laughs> you knew Joey pretty well. How did that come to fucking be? And what is he like, bro? Again, sort of like the power of manifestation putting positive energy into the world mm -hmm. and positive things coming back. Joey is a perfect example of that. And I know those guys and the whole pro era crew sort of live by that, that same yeah. 47 lifestyle of balance and tranquility and mm -hmm. allowing things to come to you and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and putting good out into the world. Those guys, when we were literally building sweet chick, in the original Sweet Chick, it was when 1999 was out. And we Ugh. used to play that <laughs> all the time. All yeah. the time. So it was Joey, Joey, Joey. He's going to save hip hop. I my mean, guy. Dude, that was that was like my introduction to fucking hip hop. Honestly, I remember like my high school team, we were going to fucking state soccer. We were driving down into Minneapolis and all we had on was fucking 1999. Hell yeah. That shit. That shit. It really did spark a whole new right. culture in itself. So, yeah, it's just that idea again, man. It's I really just believe in if you put it out there into the world, it'll come back to you. So mm. we met some of the guys from Pro Era. And then Joey started coming to the restaurant. We yep. go to his concerts and it mm -hmm. just became one of those relationships that just budded through the restaurant and just mm -hmm. being cool and being excited and being hyped when they came. And I remember his DJ and producer at the time, Static Selector, he came in 
And, you know, at the time, especially, man, not a lot of people knew what Static Selector looked like oh, or knew who he was. Not. Yeah. I knew him as the DJ who would DJ on tour for Tribe Called Quest every once in a while. Uh-huh. And then I was, obviously I knew him as the producer of Joey and Joey's tour DJ at the time. And him and his mom came in and it was an hour wait. And I, whoa, whoa, whoa. I came running you're, up. You're not, whoa, waiting. Whoa, whoa. you're not waiting, bro. <laughs> Static Selector does not wait at Sweet Chicks. <laughs> you know, so it's like those things of just my whole life loving this genre of hip-hop and then being in a position where i can recognize people and make them feel good and you know static selector it's not like he's jay-z walking into the place but Mm -hmm. those creating those relationships with people that might not be as well known but someone that i respect and really care about their music Mm -hmm. that goes a long way because mm-hmm. now he's going to go and next time he sees Joey, he says, oh, I went to Sweet Chick, man. Those guys are so nice and cool. And yeah. Joey's like, yeah, man, I've been, I've been listening <laughs> to those guys too. You know, it's just sort of that idea of spreading love, man. And making that snowball like bigger right. and bigger and bigger. I think one of the... And a real quick point too is, and as much as I say this and it's fun to talk about rappers and stuff like that, we had a very, very big understanding that... Every single person that walks through the door as a sweet chick yeah. is the coolest motherfucker of all time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So imagine if you walk into a restaurant and you're treated like you're the coolest motherfucker of all time. Everyone, everyone can feel like Joey. So I know it's mm. fun to like talk, talk about, about like, celebrities and artists and like came in, yeah. but and it's, it's amazing. about welcoming everybody that comes through those doors. The reason sweet chick is what it is and was what it was is because I would hound on the staff. Mm-hmm. That we don't just treat the rappers cool. We don't just oh, treat absolutely. the rock stars cool. The actors cool. Every person who walks mm-hmm. through the door is mm-hmm. the coolest motherfucker of all time. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They actually might be. They might be the actual executive that signed Joey Badass. Yeah, exactly. Or they might be the executive that mm-hmm. works for Jay-Z or mm-hmm. works for Nas. And that, to me, yeah, don't get it twisted, man. Celebrity shit is cool. But it's it's treating everyone the same is, is yeah. really the most important thing. And that's kind of that mentality that you have. And I mean, when I came to the Weary the other week, I mean, I felt like I belonged there, even though, you know, it could be someone's first time there. But right. the way that you're able to curate culture is such a an amazing skill and talent. But yeah. one of the final things we'll just touch on with Sweet Chick is, I mean... I think we have to just mention it, Nas and his. Oh, that! Oh, that part. Yeah, and like you know, just a small little part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You no, know, we yeah. don't. We don't need to talk about it too yeah. much. But yeah, fucking uh, hip hop legend, Illmatic himself. Yeah, Justin and Sweet Chick. What was the reaction that you had when you found out? Insanity. Yeah, insanity. Again, speaking of sort of manifestation and just positive energy. There's a post on my Instagram that this is before Nas had signed, agreed to partner mm-hmm. with us at Sweet Chick, where I was at his, I think it was probably his 20th anniversary of Illmatic, and they had mm-hmm. put a documentary out, and I had wrote on the post, at John Seymour, scouting talent for our next Sweet <laughs> Chick performance, as like a joke. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Show, you're like, ah, ha, 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 we could never, nah, 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 and this nah, is like, nah. <laughs> and this is like, we've already had a couple, we've already had like Raekwon perform from Wu-Tang. Yeah. We've done some dope shit, but it was just, even. there was so, ha, ha. And then literally, bro, the next party we had, we announced Nas as a business partner at a Sweet Chick party. That is fucking crazy. <laughs> that is nuts, bro. That's insane, dude. So, yeah, I, I mean, honestly, dude, just for, I mean, Nas, 
was and is and forever will be one of my favorite not even hip-hop artists just artists in general yeah so for a nerd hip-hop fan from wisconsin that was literally listening to illmatic and it was written in his parents Mm -hmm. car driving around watertown wisconsin to be able to partner and then be able to say he was a friend and just an overall great person and have some of the most amazing experiences with him it's crazy bro it's crazy I mean, you had that party with Nas, you had a live performance with Raekwon, and I mean, you had live performances a lot at Sweet Check, right? Yeah. What, Which was, again, just another thing of like, fuck it. Let's why just can't do we it. Do, why can't yeah. we do this? Mm-hmm. So it started with, this is a fun story, our one-year anniversary, we were going to throw a party. Because, you know, mm-hmm. New York, you make it a year, it feels you like gotta celebrate. Yeah, you got to no celebrate question. that. Yeah, And John was like, we got to do something crazy. And he had to connect to Raekwon. And at the sort of last 25th hour, we had a DJ set up and we yeah, were going to just throw a party. Yep, we yep. did like a pig roast, invited all the homies, mm-hmm. all the staff, all the homies. We're just going to have a fun night, open bar kind of situation. Nice. And then sort of at the 24th hour, we got confirmed that Raekwon was going to show up. Holy and shit. And perform. <laughs> so at this point, literally only me and John knew it was even a possibility because we didn't mm-hmm. want to hype it and then be like, uh, he's, wah, not, wah, coming. Wah, he's yeah, not coming. Uh, here's a DJ set though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was literally going around to my friends and being like, trust me, don't leave. Do not <laughs> don't, leave. Don't Do not leave. Because, you know, this it was place. like, it was, you know, and it's Wu Tang. And it's rappers. They're always late. <laughs> there's, there's always, you know, hip hop time is a real thing. I'm literally going around. Don't leave. So Raekwon pulls up on the side of the building. We bring him through the kitchen. And John is on the mic thanking everyone for coming. And no one knows what's about to happen. And this place is packed. And he's like, thank you guys so much for coming. Couldn't do it without you. But before we go, I got a few words from our chef. And Raekwon, the chef, came <laughs> out of the kitchen and wrapped behind the bar, bro. Wow. Holy and shit. It was, and it was sort of that next, I mean, that night obviously was iconic. Yeah. And there was a lot of Hennessy that was drank. And there was a <laughs> lot of, it was an amazing time. But John and I sort of woke up that next day and met and we just sort of looked at each other and was like, holy, holy shit. shit. We We really did that. Yeah. We can do anything, man. Mm -hmm. And that sort of moment and attitude just sprung us into Mm -hmm. this. We were insane, man. But we were just like, we can do it. We can do anything. And again, I think that energy and that positiveness led to people hearing about us, which led to Nas coming on, which led to we had performances. We did a shoe with Fila. We did our own shoe with Fila. We had Rakim perform. Wow. at, at At Stadium Goods in New York. Jesus Christ. We had, we had Joey Badass perform at our block yep. party, which yep. was wild. We had Everlast from House of Pain perform. We you had guys Slick really... Bro, we had Slick Rick perform with Bad Bad Not Good. <laughs> Holy Bad Bad Not Good. Bad Bad bro. Not Good Holy was shit, just the bro. house band for a party, and then Slick Rick rapped with him, yo. No fucking way, bro. Insane, dude. Insane. Damn, I did not know that part. I mean, we so- had Mob Deep. Oh, Mob Deep's last performance in New York City before Prodigy died, rest in peace, wow. Pete, was at Sweet Chick for our oh, block party. Jesus Christ. That was their last performance in New York City, bro. My God. I hype man with Tyler, the creator. He did an after party after a show at Madison Square Garden. I was literally on the mic with him and he was just <laughs> standing on the tables and we were all wilding. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's crazy. But again, we just... It was because we had that attitude of anything's possible. 
mm-hmm. and you guys curated a culture where people would want to come. Yes. No matter who they were, wherever they come from, any sort of income, any sort of demographic, it didn't matter to them. Everyone's invited. Everyone's invited. And that's what you basically made. Exactly. And we've talked a lot about this positive energy. And there's clearly so much positive energy that comes from you, that comes from everywhere you go. But then March 2020, COVID hits you guys. But you went to pivot. You took Sweet Chick and pivoted a little bit to Lil Sweet Chick. How did that decision come about? And and were you guys in a way like appreciative of being able to adapt to the pandemic that well with that? Yeah, in a weird way. Obviously, the pandemic was crazy. We had to shut down for a little bit. Mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly. Less than a month when it was really crazy. Yeah, we... John and I were talking every day. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Yeah. And we had always had this concept, fast casual concept yeah. of sort of like a Chick-fil-A version, a, a way doper version of Chick-fil-A that we had been experimenting with in City Field. So we had already sort of introduced the concept of Little Sweet Chick, which is a little more like fried chicken sandwich uh, yeah, forward. Yeah. So, you know, we just sort of were like, fuck it. Let's turn Sweet Chick into these little takeout windows and we can use this opportunity mm-hmm. to essentially show and prove to potential investors that look what we did during the pandemic when it was crazy. We were able to introduce this whole new brand yeah. that we are literally, honestly, dude, three months before that, we had started already doing the branding and we had so finished you guys the branding. Were, you guys were, like we were ready. ready. You were ready. We were locked and loaded, bro. And when, we it came, and when COVID came about, you're like, all right, it's time to go for it. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. So convince a lot of staff didn't want to come back, which we totally respected and understood. But there were a lot of people like us, myself and John, that were like, we can't stay in the house, man. We got to be out here. Obviously, we're going to be as safe as possible. We're going to follow all the guidelines, but we got to do something, man. So we slowly, one by one, opened them all back up. And yeah, yeah, man, it was a a hit. (laughs) It was a hit. It was a hit. (laughs) Do you... I think we talked about this when we were grabbing drinks, but when you came back here to Madison, you felt a little crazy because you always want to work. You're someone that always really wants to feel like they're innovating the space a little bit. Do you think when that happened with Little Sweet Check, that was something that you definitely thought and like were feeling like, I need to be doing something. I need to be yeah. really trying to little, work. Little, again, Little Sweet Check was sort of always the goal, but it was also a time for me that I realized that Sweet Chick had gotten to a place, not that they didn't need me anymore, mm-hmm. but maybe the way that my brain works mm-hmm. and what I'm good at wasn't as necessary. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we decided sort of as a team that we weren't going to go back to the original sort of Sweet Chick yeah. sit down and cocktails yeah. and servers and bartenders and managers, which from a business standpoint, I think was the best decision. Mm-hmm. And from an investment standpoint, I think was the best decision. But it was like a clear crossroads for me to say, all right, my goal was to always come back to Madison anyways. Yeah. This might be the perfect time for me to step aside because... I sort of equate it to Sweet Chick right now is putting out number one hits on mm-hmm. the radio every single day. They're just putting out hits <laughs> after hits after hits. It's like when a new Taylor Swift album drops. It's yeah. Like, oh, it's going to only be hits Where, on number one on the radio. Right. Which is dope. <laughs> and it's amazing. And I love it. But my brain doesn't work that way. Where I'm more like, I need to go back to the studio and create Yeezus. Oh. I need to switch everything up. Yeah. Because I just know that's just how my brain works, man. And the creative side, if I'm not being creative, 
and able to get my creativity out, I'm not a positive person. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it was just, it was one of those things where it was, it was good timing for everyone, I think, involved. And I was able to sell back a little of my equity and flip that into the opportunity to purchase the weary and come back to Madison and sort of, yeah, man, I'm trying to create a, a whole new genre Again, back to the sort of music <laughs> motif that we've been talking about. I'm trying to create... Culture and music. To, yeah, I'm trying to create a new album, man. I'm trying to create a new sound. I'm trying to create whatever is in my brain, that fresh produce company that mm. we can talk a little bit about. Yeah. Um, We're definitely going to mention that. That's where I'm at right now. So yeah. the weary being a place that's been around for 20 years, it still feels a little bit like a blank slate for me. Mm. And it's only just the beginning, man. I got some pretty big ideas for Madison. My knowledge of Sweet Chick stemmed from a first week feast video of John and Joey Badass making chicken. Kyle's role at Sweet Chick had him deal with those that came in and dined in the restaurant. With our earlier topic, Kyle's personal style allowed him to have the opportunities to meet New York icons and Joey Badass and be brand partners with Nas when they walked in and dined at the table. Those relationships that he fostered is due to his personality and wanting to talk to him, and I got a similar sense of that with our interview today in which I didn't want to stop talking to him and wanted our flow of a conversation to continue. That's the type of person that he is. The success of Sweet Chick doesn't fall solely to him, but the effort he put in is now shown in his ownership of the Weird Traveler. From the moment I walked in this ominous side door, Kyle made me and everyone I was with welcome. If I'm being serious, it's like a superpower that he has. At the Weary, he's a composer, orchestrating not only the music, but the atmosphere with the restaurant through this motif of music and the role it plays in all of our lives. All these factors in mind make me simply want to continue to root for Kyle and his growth with what we will find out to be in his fresh produce endeavors. Yeah, so you say that Weary is kind of like this blank canvas that you're going to be able to really paint and make this whole new album that you said. But the last year before you left Sweet Chick, you came back to Madison, you visited and you knew that you wanted to do this. But every time you came back to Madison, you went to the Weary. Now you own the restaurant. How did that come into fruition? Right. Even before I'd always come back, anytime I'd kind of come back to visit, either if it was like coming home for a football game or to just visiting my parents and then come to Madison for the night or something. The yeah. Weary was always a place that I'd stop by and be like, mm-hmm. yo, we at least got to get a beer there and catch the vibes. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Mm-hmm. So yeah, when I was when I was really thinking for real, for real about moving back to Madison, I started doing these sort of 10-day trip back home and being like, can I really do this? Yeah. Or do I really want to do this? And I would always hang out at the Weary. And unbeknownst to me, I met the owner one night. Mm-hmm. Him and I sort of started talking, and then I told him a little bit about Sweet Chick, and he did some research. And I didn't realize at the time that he was looking to sell and sort of retire from the restaurant game. And then the yeah, the next time I came back, bro, I was in the Weary again with my buddy Adem, and Christopher came up to me and just straight up was like, "You want to buy this place?" Shit! And I just looked at him and was like, yep. "Fuck yeah, I will." <laughs> So it's awesome, man. I was able to partner with Jeff Schmidt, who's been there for about 15 years as a bartender. Yeah. So it's a really unique way for us. It's a really yin and yang sort of relationship where he's the steady guy who's been there for a lot of times. And the Weary is a neighborhood restaurant. You know what I mean? It's a corner neighborhood bistro. So he was able to sort of keep all the regulars and all that stuff. And then my role is to, you know, without changing things too much, 
sort of bring a fresh perspective and do parties with August, August Ox and throw little DJ things and throw yeah. parties for Halloween. And, you know, with I'm trying to bring up exactly with a dem shout out to Adem and his band, man. Those guys are awesome. They rocked it for us. But yeah, I'm trying to bring in the new flavor while yeah. respecting the past and respecting what Christopher did in that space. But like I like to tell people, Christopher handpicked me for a reason. Mm-hmm. And when we were going through this deal, he really wanted to make sure that I realized that he did handpick me for a reason. Yeah. And that is to take the weary to another place for the next 20 years. You know, It doesn't have to be exactly what it was because yeah. it, was never me- it was never meant to be something that was stagnant. Mm-hmm. It was always, I mean, it's the weary traveler. It's meant to be moving, innovated, and like innovative, always, and exactly, exactly, always moving forward. Yeah. So now you're bringing that new flavor. Now being in the full swing of things this fall, I think this is your full like first season, almost really being. Yeah, back. I essentially, essentially took over in July first, kind of right around there was officially, yeah. and then you know summer we just sort of got through the summer and. Now, now, really feels, this, now we're really putting our stamp on things yeah. and making so what's it our, been making it what's been the most like rewarding experience and something that you've incorporated at the weary the most rewarding experience has been again just sort of my parents can come to the restaurant whenever they want which yeah. is crazy you know what i'm saying and their friends show up and that sort of idea of it being a homecoming for myself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to see even like high school friends that will show up and hang out for a while. It's been amazing, man. It's been, those are the times where I'm like, I really know that I made the right decision. Yeah. In terms of innovation, just, I don't know, man. I think the August Ox thing was sort of in my mind, the first step in the direction I'm trying to go. It was, I mean, it was dope. I mean, when even I someone came, like you and when, when you came in and we were talking and you were like, I've known about the weary forever, but I've never even been here. Never been. Yeah. I think it, it invites a whole new, shift of demographic even yeah i know isaac who's our lead photographer and him and his friends came and i heard they hung out there till even the end of the night and totally. those those are people that usually i would say don't really come into the weary don't, don't come know. to the weary which you know yeah. i've you know i realized that pretty early on when i moved here just talking to people so i'm the type of person that if a young person walks into <laughs> the weary traveler i'm going right up to them yeah. And being like, yo, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the same, again, the same way that I would have that sweet chick mm-hmm. and that same attitude of everyone who comes Everyone's in. Everyone's the coolest fucking coolest person motherfucker ever. of all time. Yeah. And again, obviously, I'm cool with all the regulars that come there too. But in order for the weary to continue and to grow and to thrive, be a thriving restaurant for the next 20 years. Yeah. My role is going to be bringing in new people. Mm, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And then Jeff's role is to continue to maintain those relationships. So it's just, like I said, it's in my it mind, really it's is perfect yin and yang of yep. like personalities and, and backgrounds and stuff like that. But yeah, man, I'm really trying to focus on bringing in diversity. Mm-hmm. I'm really trying to focus on it being a safe space for 21 to 28 year olds, whatever, yep. whatever the age. And again, it's not an age range. It's more of a mindset. I'm 42, but in my mind, I'm, <laughs> you know what I mean? We're both. We're in both my mind, really I'm, still, I'm, I'm still running around with you guys. You know yeah, what I'm we're, saying? Yeah, we're, we're very young. <laughs> exactly. <Don't> worry, <laughs> that, again, that's just, that's just a mindset that I live in. Yeah. I'm not trying to be an, an old head that's just like, oh, man, <laughs> I remember back in the day, it was like, nah, I'm listening to Newt. I want to hear all the new music. I want to yeah. see all the, I want to I want to know all about the new trends. I want to mm-hmm. know all about the fashion. I want to know what 
you guys are thinking because, yeah. like I said, there is a point right now where things need to change. Mm-hmm. And, and I think our like-mindedness of inclusion mm-hmm. and being dope every single day and is something – and doing dope shit is something that this town needs, man. And and I want to be a part of that. I don't want to be the face of it. I want to put people on. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want to be the person sort of right behind them pushing and inspiring. But I want to push other people in front. Do you feel like you kind of helped with that with even like someone like John? I mean, John's basically like the face of oh, so yeah, much yeah, in yeah. New York. For sure. You were definitely his background guy that could really handle that. Yeah. You know, someone I think he really trusted a mm-hmm. lot. I always had his best interests in heart. I always had Sweet Chick's best interests in heart. And I realized from pretty much right when I met him, he's the classic, every girl wants to fuck him and every dude <laughs> wants to be his best friend. <laughs> So that That's those are those point. are those are the kind of guys and people I want to be around. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like I can recognize talents. And John was pretty raw when we first met, being a New Yorker himself and (laughs) maybe a little rough around the edges, but that was his charm. And that's why everyone loved him. But yeah, we were able to, you know, help him as much as he needed in terms of getting him ready for a show or a cooking show and Mm kind of maybe saying, oh, maybe think about don't forget to say this or don't say that (laughs) and stuff like that. But yeah, man, that's sort of, I look at myself as a point guard, man. I'm not trying to score 25 a game, I'm trying to score eight. 10 assists, nice. takes a couple charges. How many steals long, you grabbing though? A couple steals for sure. Yeah, defensive couple, lockdown? Yeah, lockdown. I'll, and, I'll guard <laughs> the be- and I'll guard the best player. I don't care how tall they are. But as long as we win, that's all that matters. I've sort of always had that point guard mentality. Mm-hmm. And that's who I am, man. That's, that's what I'm trying to be. So I'm trying to collect a bunch of people in Madison that are sort of on that same tip. Oh, you know for what I mean? sure. Absolutely. And I mean, that goes now to the basically one of the final things I want to touch on is fresh produce, which is this all encompassing kind of branding that you're going to have. But yes. to have that, you need to find those people that believe in you and believe in the brand itself. So what is fresh produce, number one? And then what is the goal with it? What do you want to do with that? So fresh produce essentially is just was back in the day a tumbler. I don't know if you're old <laughs> enough to know about Tumblr. I know. I know Tumblr. Don't worry. I, I'm not that young. Hey, bro, we're not old. You know, we're both yeah. young. <laughs> so Fresh Produce was something I started, again, just to manifest things and put my creative energy into things. Yeah. And if you look back on my Tumblr, there are a lot of those, <laughs> a lot of those images came true throughout the year. So I've always loved the just like the name Fresh Produce because it, A, it applies to restaurants in the sense of actual produce but then also the idea of sort of what august is doing i would consider it a very fresh produce kind of place you know what i'm saying like so it has a lot of different meanings and yeah the idea is to open as many businesses as possible under the fresh produce umbrella whether it's Mm -hmm. a record store or a coffee shop or a barber shop or more actual restaurants or bars or anything, man, a sneaker shop. It can literally be anything under the umbrella, but yet it is a mind state and it's a positivity and it's a do dope shit idea. So now it's one of my Instagram things and it's just inspiration. And I think it's easy for me to, when I meet people that like you're alluding to, that I'm trying to find these people that are understanding of what we're Mm -hmm. trying to do. Yeah, It's an easy way to say, yo, check this out. If this resonates with you and you sort of understand, this is what my brain looks like. Mm. So if you understand what this is and you feel this and this inspires you a little bit, 
you might want to roll with me. <laughs> you might want to roll with me. All right, man. Kyle, we're about to just wrap up here real quick. One of the final things I'm just going to ask you here is if someone wants to innovate the hospitality space like that you have, what's some advice that you would give them? And what's something that you wish that you knew when you went to New York and when you first started doing this that you had now? Right. I mean, you have to be passionate about people. Yeah. That's the, it, that's yeah, the number that's, one that's thing. That's number one right there. That's not just the people who come through the door that are paying money. It's the people that are cooking your food, that are cleaning mm-hmm. the restaurant, yeah. that are... You have to be appreciative and you have to be passionate about people. And then, Almost yeah, man... Like celebrating, I, celebrating everybody in a way. Everybody, man. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. The restaurant industry is super hard. And if you don't have a squad that has got your back and Mm -hmm. understands every day we got to do this and we got to make it the best we can, it's a very, very hard business. Yeah. But yeah. And then, like I said, it's finding, doing things that is genuine. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I I take Mm -hmm. a lot of pride in all the restaurants that I've ever been a part of that it was a very genuine experience for myself. Therefore, I feel the guests coming in are going to feel that. So if you don't love hip hop and you don't love music and you don't love these things, Mm -hmm. don't do that. (laughs) Do what you love. Do what you love, basically. Yeah, hone in on that. If you love movies and stuff like that, focus more maybe on that kind of thing. Or if you like art, focus in on that thing. It's really finding what you're passionate about. Man, if you're passionate about things, people want to be around you and people can feel it. And it's the opposite too. When you're not passionate and you're having a... People know that. People really can feel that too, man. So yeah, it's really finding sort of who you are and then creating it. And then don't be scared. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Don't be scared. You know know how many times I tell my managers, they're like, oh, I'm like, don't be scared. Just go for it. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, exactly. What's Mm -hmm. the worst that could happen? You know what I'm saying? I trust you and I I believe that you're going to make the right decision. So don't be scared. Yeah. You don't have to call me me and ask me permission. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. There's one more thing I'm going to ask you here. And it's going to go all the way back to the fucking intro. You never said the music you're listening to. The music. Get, oh, right. Okay. Come on. Now let's hear the artists that you've been listening well, no. to and also maybe some ways that you find new music and how you go about that. Word. Okay. So obviously the new Nas album. Fuck yeah. King's Disease 3 is insane. Yeah. What him and Hip Boy have done is so That's inspiring. Insane. Again, someone who's loved hip hop for so long and obviously hip hop is sort of known as a young man's game yeah. to see what Nas has done the last three, four albums mm-hmm. is creating an entire new lane for rappers to sort of age gracefully and continue to be a huge part of this culture. Anything Griselda. So the new West Side Gun album, I've been hitting yeah. a lot. Rome Streets is one of my favorite. He's another one of those young kids. I don't even know how old he is. He might not even be young, but he's one <laughs> of those kids who would come to Sweet Chick early on and we showed him a lot of love and he showed us a lot of love back. Anything Alchemist right now I'm listening to. Crunbin is oh, always Crunbin sort of is really fucking always good. something that I, that I love. Crunbin uh, was just recently in Madison. Yeah, Madison actually I, I missed that but I saw them at Radio City and it was, oh, it was fire, fire. So yeah, man. And just sort of, like I said, I'm always looking for, I'm not one of these people who's like, oh, back in the days when the music was good. I want to hear yeah. all the new stuff. Some stuff's not for me, but yeah. I want to hear it and I want to I want to experience it. So yeah, and in terms of searching for music, it's just I love searching for samples, whether it's old hip hop songs or new hip hop songs, and then sort of 
realizing how much good music is out there. It's kind of overwhelming to think of all the good music that's out there. But it's also exciting because you know the journey is never going to end of like seeking and finding new stuff. So yeah. But yeah, all man, right. like I said, music's a it's a twenty four seven thing. It's not it's a, always it's, not it's a, always on. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, hey Kyle, thank you so much for joining me today. Before yeah. we end, where can the people find you? What's something you want to shout out? What do you got? Kyle NYC um, Instagram. Mm-hmm. is where you can uh, find me. But please just stop by the restaurant, man. The Weary Traveler. The Weary it's Traveler. On, yeah, it's on Willie Street. Stop by and say what's up. Great uh, specials. What you what yeah. you guys got for the special tonight? I think we're rocking that Korean barbecue tonight Ooh, again. That, that, was such was, a, that was, that was, that was a, a hit. hit. That was a hit bro. at the party. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, we got to bring that back. I remember eating that. I was like, holy shit. That was... Yeah, that. And then those rail drinks too. That Absolutely. Great deal, honestly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, man, stop by the restaurant and and say what's up. Like I said, we're bringing the youth movement to the weary. Mm -hmm. And and I would love to see everyone out there. And like I said, if you're there, definitely uh, seek me out. I'll be the one with the hat on, bobbing my head to the music. You'll you'll, you'll know which one I am. You'll know which one's (laughs) Kyle, bro. It is not tough. I'm going to say this to all the listeners that are listening to this. It is not tough to know which one Kyle is, bro. Kyle stands out like any motherfucker. All right, man. Thank you so much for being with me today, man. Yeah, man. It was awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. Once again, I'm your host, Andrew, and I want to thank Kyle for taking the time to speak with me today, and to Sam Walner for creating the music you heard on today's episode. From music to food, this episode was how I would define fulfilling. If you know someone looking to innovate the hospitality space and is a lover of music, share with them this episode. You can find me and the shop on Instagram at Andrew Inamoto and at underscore August Shop. And find August located on 414 State Street, Madison, Wisconsin, or on august-shop.com. Once again, thank you for listening to the August Forum.